0: Leadership Confessions with Phil Rose from Clarity Leadership.
1: Hi, and welcome to Series Two of Leadership Confessions with me, Phil Rose. Look, I've been delighted by the feedback that we've had in Series One, and we've got some amazing guests lined up to share with you on Series Two, and none better than than today. We've got Dame Catherine Granger. Now, anyone that's met me or listened to any of the podcasts that we've done so far knows that I love adventure challenge and sport, and to have Catherine, Great Britain's most decorated female Olympian with us. She's the chair of UK Sport, which is the UK's high performance agency, uh, and she's also the Chancellor of University of Glasgow. I'm, I'm kind of like a kid in a sweetie shop uh, today because I'm so excited about the opportunity to, to interview Catherine. So, Catherine, a warm welcome. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Phil. I'm now just worried if I can live up to your wonderful introduction.
1: <laughs> well, as I say, I am, I am very excited about the prospect of, uh, of this uh, and hearing some of your stories, some of your confessions uh, and sharing those with our, our listeners. So look, actually, what would be great to hear from you, Catherine, is just to give us an overview of your role of UK sport and all the things that you're involved in today, please.
0: Yeah, with pleasure. So, as you mentioned, the UK Sport is a sort of an arm's length government body, and it's the main investor into all the Olympic and Paralympic sports we have in the UK. Uh, so, money comes in from the government and also from the national lottery. So, everyone buying national lottery tickets, uh, we get to put the money into the sports directly. And also, there's a huge. Um, the main bit goes into our sport. The other bit, we we look into and invest and in support when we host uh, sort of big international competitions in the UK. So, big sporting events. Um, especially the Olympic and Paralympic ones we give a lot of support to. And we've got a NARM that sort of does a, a really interesting bit around international development and international relations. So a kind of a sport for good bit as well. So there's lots of really interesting bits of the organization that I have to say I, I hadn't quite appreciated when I took on the role initially.
1: <laughs> and I guess this must be a big year with the Olympics coming up.
0: Yeah, it's been a I mean I mean for so many people in so many ways, it's been quite an incredible last 18 months and looking forward as well obviously the the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics were due to be in 2020 um just over a year ago now they were officially cancelled and then postponed to the summer of 2021 uh, there's still huge amounts of uncertainty about what the games might feel like what they how how athletes will experience them what competition might be like and and sort of to be honest, we're still at the qualification stage for a lot of sports. So even the road between now, when everything's unlocking and, and travel's more possible, and people are going to go and compete, but it's still not clear how the next few months will roll out until we get to Tokyo start line. So it's been quite an extraordinary learning event for for myself and for everyone in in our team. But um, I mean, like anyone listening, you know, no one had planned the last year or so, and I think we've all learned a lot in that time.
1: Uh, I guess it must be tough for, for the athletes as well, the ambiguity of, of what's going on. Interviewing Great Britain's most decorated female Olympian, it's like, wow, how how on earth did that come about? And I guess what would be interesting to hear from you is kind of what's been the significant events that have shaped where you've got to today. You know, what led you down the path? What were the big learnings? Um, please share that with with me and our listeners.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's um it's funny, isn't it? Probably any of us who end up with, I don't know, titles or or statements sort of next to our name, I don't think anyone begins their life thinking that's where it's going to end or plans for those sort of achievements. And I certainly, you know, I grew up in Glasgow, you know, really fabulous sort of family life, you know, mum dad, and my big sister, a small family unit, but really close and, and still close to this day. And I think probably just we're all the people we are because of our lives and our experiences. And I, you know, had a really, really positive childhood and just grew up in a you know, very low-key place just outside Glasgow and just, you know, love my friends. I really enjoyed school, actually, you know, had great relationships, like I said, with my, my parents. And I suppose just had this, um, I don't know, I, I probably was always quite driven, but I didn't kind of know what I wanted to do with it all um but i'd always been encouraged to you know get involved and try stuff and and just not be afraid of i don't know getting stuck into whatever it is that the opportunity presents and i knew i wanted to go to university and that was a big thing for me um my mom and dad were both teachers and i've always always believed through their eyes originally but my own self the kind of real power that education can gift you and and it's a real privilege to to have education in your life and and i definitely sort of keep learning even now um, but I went to university and I, um, I think I had in mind, I went to study law and I had in mind what I would get from it and what I would do with it once I then left university and started real life. And uh, like many things, life had very, very different plans. So mm-hmm. I went to study law to be a lawyer and I was doing martial arts at the time and I thought that would kind of what I'd do. And, you know, I, I graduated from university with my degree, which was still important to get, but, you know... Just about to break into the British rowing team and go to my first World Championships, and three years after that, go to my first Olympic Games, and then that was my life for the next twenty years. So, you know, there's these incredible moments, and you know, when you're saying what happened and what changed and what impacted it, in all honesty, a lot of a lot of incredible people at incredible sort of junctions in my life, who um, pro- I mean, not even had. You know, huge roles in my life, but just said the right word at the right time, who gave the right encouragement mm-hmm. or suggested an ambition that I didn't have. And, you know, I think I needed to have the personality then to take on the challenge. But it was definitely thanks to a lot of incredible people in my life, coaches, you know, teachers, family members who just gave me the, the feeling that I should try stuff and do stuff and take the challenge on. And I've always sort of kept that. So when I went to university and I found rowing, that changed my life. When I When my final coach in my final year at university suggested i tried out for british trials that completely changed my life you know there's lots of Mm -hmm. things you look back and think Mm -hmm. gosh you know the sliding doors moment if i hadn't done that i wouldn't have been here
1: i'd like to come back to those people later Mm -hmm. Uh, but i guess to to get to where you've got to there's got to have been some massive highs obviously but also some lows Uh, and and i think you know universal truth is we learn a huge amount from sort of setbacks um professionally or personally, how have you overcome your biggest setbacks and, and what have you done with that?
0: Yeah, I don't think I've got, I mean, clearly like everyone, I mean, I've had many, many setbacks and um, I don't think I have a deliberate strategy to, to sort of cope with them. And I think a lot of how I've dealt with them, um, <laughs> there's nothing quite learning by experience. And I think I've, I've, you know, got better at dealing with things by just living life which sounds a of insanely simple um, method but I think like my general experience with myself and with other people is people are far more resilient and capable and incredible than, than we ever think and you know I've had some real lows in my sporting career and when you're involved in something that feels so very personal and and you're very passionate about and you're very connected to much more than just a professional thing you do it, it's really is your life and it defines you in so many ways when things go wrong and especially on a sort of big international public scale uh it, it's incredibly uh, it's incredibly hard to sort of deal with and come to terms with and cope with and and prepare yourself for it. and I, I think you you get better at it by experiencing it and getting through the other side and you know i kind of looking back now and my lowest points, I always have had then and continue to have brilliant people around me. So I really, you know, very close still, like I said, to my family, very close friendships, people I really trust and I can really be myself with. And my lowest points, I'm not always the best person at reaching out and asking for help, um, but help's always there. And, you know, the, the best people in my life, I guess, know me well and know when to you know, sort of try and get me talking or trying or just being quiet, but knowing, you know, making them their presence felt. So I always felt I was not alone in dealing with what I was dealing with. Um, I also, I mean, some of the lowest points, I needed to regain perspective. I think you can immerse yourself so much in a goal that you lose yourself. So when, if and when it goes wrong, it's very, very hard to kind of recorrect the perspective. And, um, you know, after a couple of my very disappointing competitions i i actually got away i mean it's a shame we can't right now travel in the same way but actually going to somewhere very different going to somewhere where none of this mattered to people and none of this you know it wasn't what people wanted to talk talk about it was a very different world and i do think traveling being in different places cultures experiences it really does change your mindset and it helps you re. it just i find my balance again having having done that um and then i think as soon as i've i've had an, the next plan I, you know, I think action is very motivating and very kind of uplifting and inspiring. And I think I, I like everyone, you can wallow a bit in, in when things have gone wrong. But actually, as soon as I had the next thing I wanted to focus on and move myself forward, I very quickly could turn all energy into quite a positive forward looking energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I guess it, there'll still be huge lows in my life going forward. And I, I guess I'll learn more and more by experiencing it how I do it best.
1: Well, look thank thank you for the insight. I guess what I've taken from that is that that opportunity just to talk to people and that seems to come up quite a lot and you 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 shared that you might not be the best in asking for it but people would just make themselves available um
0: and, do you and know that opportunity the, I think sorry. sorry but one of the funniest things I think is we all love helping people. I mean yeah. You know, if you get asked for help, I of course I want to help and I want to go and help everyone I can. And yet we're really bad at asking for it. And it's a really odd sort of contradiction in, in sort of human behaviour. And we're very aware how good it is to help others, and yet we don't want to give people the opportunity to help us. And I don't mm. I don't quite know how that, why that is the case. But like I said, I mean, I think a lot of us aren't always good at asking for help, but still knowing people are there is very important.
1: Mm. And, and also I think your ability to, you know, reframe and and re sort of set the perspective on on what it is and then and then set another goal and 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 action you know and that that Mm. that inspires you so what what does high performance look like to you 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 would have seen that through various colleagues in 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 sport you will seen that in 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 business when when you kind of go actually when i when i look at high performance that's what it looks like for me
0: this isn't going to be an easy answer for you, possibly, Phil. I suppose I I would say it's less than what it looks like. It's more of what it feels like. Yep. And I think I've been very lucky to be in worlds that are incredibly high performing, and um, you sort of know it when you feel it and you sense it. And it's, you know, it's about um, sort of brilliant people surrounding themselves by even more brilliant people, and everyone, everyone sort of doing their absolute best so everyone at the the sort of pushing their potential all the time and so I mean I've been really really lucky in sport not just as an athlete um, pushing yourself and your teammates around you but you get incredible help from you know the best in the business in whether it's you know, physiology or physiotherapy or medical or psychology or all these amazing people and certainly the build up to sort of 2012 the games then and it was I was in this boat with Anna Watkins and we were just, you know, flying in our training and competition, but we were always wanting more. And that that high performance to me is really about that sort of restless sense of improvement and always looking for something even better. And so even, you know, where else can you make the gains and where else can you do this better and constantly challenging yourself to find, even when you're winning, even better ways of doing it. Um, And I think one of the biggest privileges in that lead up was, you know, how much help we had around us. And we asked everyone we worked with from nutritionists, you know, everyone to sort of say, what's the best in their world? What is the best they can bring? So yes, we're trying to be the best in rowing down a course. But if you were the best nutritionist in the world, if you were the best physiotherapist in the world, what would that look like and be like? And mm-hmm. so everyone brought their A game. And, and we all, you all felt really connected to um, the very obvious goal that we had, yeah. But a sense of we're on a mission. We're on a mission together and everyone buys into it. Everyone knows their part to play in it. Everyone wants to contribute to it. And it's really energizing. And and I think that that feeling to me is high performance when everyone everyone gets it and has a part to play and will, you know, commit to even more than they think they can do. You know, the sense of everyone stretching their own limitations and going beyond that. And that's a very thrilling world to be part of.
1: So what I'm I'm taking from that, Catherine, is is that it's a feeling more than what it necessarily looks like, and Mm -hmm. it's it's that connecting to the goal, uh, but everyone feeling they've got a part to play and that commitment to achieving it. That's that and the the, and the relentless pursuit of of getting there.
0: Yeah, and there was a real. um, I think when I've seen it at its best, there's a real sort of spirit behind. There's a real fun. You know, it can sound you know a bit. Too intense or a bit too serious at times. When you think about, you know, really high performance and talking about those tiny margins and limits and gains and all the rest. But you know, when it's when I've been in the really brilliant standout moments, people are loving it. People are loving. They're bringing their best, and it's a real pride in bringing your best and feeling that you are contributing and you are valued and valuable, and that brings a real sense of enjoyment and and purpose and that you know that that all those things combined i think is when you see really exceptional things happening
1: thank you you talked earlier on about you know people around you that had helped you and supported you and and i guess you know my next question that's on the tip of my tongue is is you know where do you get your inspiration from who inspires you if you think about anyone that you've kind of gone yeah they've they've been a super inspiration to me who who they've been but what is it about them that that's inspired Inspired you?
0: Oh, do you know I? I mean, I I count myself very lucky in that I've got I've got a sort of really quite curious nature, and um like I said, you know, education has been important to me, and learning has continues to be important to me, and I find so many things interesting. And although I've spent most of my adult life in sport and very embedded in sport, and there's huge amounts of inspiration all the time in sport. You know, I, I find some of the hardest times in my sporting career, I've looked elsewhere, and I I do get inspired all the time by people I meet and people I know, but I also, you know, I, I love reading, I love reading about, I love stories, and I, I kind of increasingly, during the darker times, I still love reading fiction, I think fiction gives a lot to people's lives, but, you know, read about other people. So every challenge I've ever faced, you think there's always multitude of numbers of history, people have faced much worse and much bigger, and much greater and overcome. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I started reading much more about, you know, business or politics or exploration or, you know, some of the most amazing adventurers, Shackleton, you know, all, all the kind of obvious mm-hmm. people who have, mm-hmm. you know, that's really facing, you know, very <laughs> life and death challenge and having the responsibility of other lives on your conscience as well. And still finding, you know, a way through a lot of brilliant people who are always problem solving. And, you no, I've been lucky. I've met incredible people in my life, and um, I very, very. I still smile. I think about you know. I I was very lucky to meet both Barack and Michelle Obama. And you know, there's some people in company you just think they inspire you by being around them. The way they talk, the way they they see the world, the way they live their lives, and mm-hmm. and I get that all the time. But you know, I've in a smaller scale. I I didn't didn't sort of grow up thinking of um, you know certain people who inspired me but I do look back and I think you know my my karate teacher when I was at, at school um, you know who t- got me from my white belt to my black belt when I was still at school age was incredibly inspiring and he you know he would be far too modest to think he, he would be an inspiration and yet the way the way he taught the way he kind of had this incredible mix of you know drive and focus and fun at the same time and that instilled in me very early on kind of being being with people who are passionate about what they do I find very inspiring and that can be in any sector in any area and I was very lucky you know I, I, I've had two brilliant chief execs at UK sport and and both incredible leaders in their own ways um, but you know both linked by a real enjoyment and a real pride and a real passion for what they do and how they are and, and how they are with other people and I think you know seeing, Seeing how people motivate those around them and seeing how people inspire those around them is endlessly fascinating and that can be in any walk of life you know anybody who works with other people I find really interesting so i do I, I, I do think one of my one of the things that really gives me a lot of strength in life is is finding inspiration in a lot of places
1: so th- thank you you talked there about you know the couple of CEOs you've had at uk sport that have been inspiration. How, how would you describe? your leadership style and what's, and what's defined that, do you think?
0: Oh, I don't know if I've got a style. Um, <laughs> well, in... <laughs> you must have
1: some, but it might not be consciously.
0: It's <laughs> probably not conscious. And it's probably a question that's better asked of other people um, rather than me, to be honest. But um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably forged a lot of it when I was still an athlete in, over, I had a very long, I was very lucky to have a very long career and i think um when you do something for a long period of time obviously you change very much the person and individual and things start to shape you and then you learn from others around you and you you become sort of more senior in whatever area you're in and then more people look to you and have more expectations of you um and I think the one thing I loved about the time I was an athlete in sport is you know I was a rower, and to me although you can do it as a solo sport it I was always I always loved being in crews. I always loved being with other people. And one of the biggest things I got, although I had to bring the best of myself to every every single day I had to bring the best of myself, I kind of increasingly enjoyed not even increased anything. I always did enjoyed working with other people and finding a way to to help them be better, and they would help me be better. And I love mm-hmm. that sort of cohesion of. I, I suppose it is teamwork ultimately in this most simple sense um, of somehow as a group coming together and doing something more and doing something better because you're doing it together. Um, yeah. And I think I I learned so much of that, you know, pretty much everything I've learned, to be honest, I learned through my time in sport. And I think, you know, I did learn the, the sort of the power of having a really motivating goal or purpose or drive or mission you know, and, and really understanding why and what it is about it that that moves you. And I think it's really, the more I was an athlete, the more it was so important that you understood the people around you as well. Because not everyone will be motivated in the same way. Not everyone will feel the same way you do. And the more you can understand what it is that excites and what's people's passions and loves and hates, the, the more you're going to get out of them. And, you know, I think I also learned, you know, I think how much, I mean, when we were an athlete, it's about coaching, but how much feedback we, I absolutely took for granted when I was an athlete. I got feedback whether or not I wanted it every single day.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And and it's something I you think. I think when you're in senior roles, you often get less than you want. Certainly, I get yeah. less than I want. You know, people are kind of sometimes not unwilling, but don't feel it's their place to give feedback sometimes. And I think you have to. I mean, I I'm someone who really wants to know how things are going and how I'm doing and if I'm getting things right or wrong. And and I sometimes need to be quite proactive to get that. And I think that definitely came from being an athlete. And I think um I I do enjoy being in other people's company. I I like I enjoy learning from them. I hope I've got a really kind of open um sort of style if it's a style that that I don't know. I want people to feel they can be themselves, you know, whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing when I'm working with them that they can bring their best and, you know, can be better. You know, it's wonderful. You're a very privileged position if you feel you can somehow and I think it should be ambition for all of us to to make people better that that mm. we are around us.
1: You talked about bringing your the best of yourself to to a situation. So so when are you at your best? And kind of what is there a conscious process that you 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 have to sort of go through to make sure that you are at your best?
0: Um, it's a good question. I don't know if I've got a conscious process. I mean, I I I think I and it's interesting because I I sort of retired as an athlete and the biggest challenge everyone will face is the what next question. Because you've been Mm -hmm. part of something that's been so personal. And so you know it's been a real sort of huge part of your life. And there's a sense of not quite knowing what next and and how next and where you fit in again um, and where you belong and where you can make a difference and all those sort of big life questions. And I really wasn't sure, but I sort of knew instinctively it had to be something that I would find challenging. It had to be something that I would... Find a little bit daunting and that i felt would be um important to me at least and and sort of make a difference in some way so i'm i think i'm at my best Right? i still i you know i when things are hard you know i don't i don't necessarily want another sort of global crisis but i i kind of like i do like a challenge i like to feel i'm tested i like to feel you know i've you know Really satisfying days when I've really had to work at it, and I've got to, you know, bring everything I have to get the right answers. And um, I, I really love an environment where I also feel I'm surrounded by brilliant people who have better skills than me in a lot of areas, and you know, bring things that I didn't have. And you know, some of the best—I'm um, going back to being an athlete. Some of the best crews I've been in is when I've been with very, very different people, very different styles to me, very different strengths to me. And it's quite I find it really energizing to to be I don't know, I guess in the presence of people that I massively respect but really get inspired by and therefore I feel I need to bring my best and mm. and then you know you take on the challenge. So I, I think I like that kind of environment that's um you know, like I said at the beginning, the high performance feel of something that's quite that's not easy, that not everyone could do, that that will take something special and actually that's and you don't quite have the answer yet, and that's the challenge of it all. And I like that kind of Environment.
1: Thank you. You know, we've titled this podcast Leadership Confessions. You know, if there was one, you know, mistake, whether it's professionally, personally, in sport, or whatever, if there was one mistake you can't, yeah, that that was a real. Uh, that was a real blooper. What 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 was it, and what did you learn about
0: yourself? Um, I mean, just one is impossible, and there's so many to choose from. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, gosh, this one thing just we learn. I do believe we learn so much more from our mistakes. Sadly, they are very harsh, but good lessons in life. Um, I think, oh God, I mean, I'm trying to narrow it down to just one or two. Uh, I, I think there's a sense of. um Probably when I've got things wrong, it's when I haven't quite trusted myself Um, and I have, uh, you know, I look back now and I think when I was more inexperienced and a lot younger, I think you can make assumptions of situations and what people are feeling and where my place is, is in it. And I look back now and I think I was wrong on quite a few of those things. And actually, I think there's always a situation where you can add and you can have a voice, and you should have a voice, and have an opinion, and I probably stayed quiet for too long in too many situations where I wouldn't have necessarily been the answer or sold everything, but I I could have contributed, and I didn't, and I think whether it was a nervousness of, you know, I'm just, it's not me, it's, it's not my place, uh, you know, I don't have, I shouldn't be speaking out, or I don't know what the right answer is, I think you learn that actually Even sometimes saying that I don't think I've got the answer is is still valid and still important. And I think I've learned that it's still you know, it's really important to have that anyone contributes to any situation, especially if you're in a sort of problem solving area. It's it's really important to hear from people and I think I stayed quiet many times when I probably had more to offer than I realized, or I could have helped in ways that I didn't at the time. And I think it I think there is something very important about knowing yourself well and and understanding your kind of instincts and trusting those because i think they generally do keep you right and i think when you have if you're kind of clear on your morals and your integrity and you hold firm to them then you're not going to go far wrong in mm. any situation or anything you can contribute to and i think i took a while to learn that
1: I uh, i love that uh, and that kind of then leads me on to what what advice would you have for aspiring professionals, whether that be in business or whether that be in sport or in, in any environment? What would you um, what would you advise to to sort of the next generation?
0: Oh, next generation makes me feel old. Um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just me. Uh, not you. Well,
0: well, no, I mean it's. Um, I mean, like I said, I like I love reading a lot, and I think you can't go far wrong with some of the ancient philosophers of the world, but you know, this sort of know thyself um, philosophy. And I think there's a really important thing about understanding you as a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it doesn't mean on day one, you need to know everything about yourself because I think we're all work in progress, but it's a really just time to stop and think what, what is important to me and why, and what are my values and what do I believe in and what do I love and what do I hate and what moves me. And, some of that is really instinctive stuff and it's really good to know it. And it's really good to to be aware of it. And because sometimes it will take you, you know, incredible places. Sometimes it will save you when you get in, in stuck in places. Um, and it will just keep you true to yourself because life is very distracting. And, um, you know, the, the road through life takes you places you never thought you'd go as mine certainly has. But I think you should never sort of lose yourself. And so I think understanding yourself. I, I like also, that. So, not,
1: not losing yourself, but on a, on a similar vein, what rattles your cage? Where does the sort of the red mist come down?
0: Do you know, apathy annoys me. Do you know, I don't, I, right. I you know, I, I, I'm legally trained. I love a good argument. I love a good debate <laughs> by nature. So, I don't mind people having differing views. I'd really, I really like people who have passions. And even if I totally disagree with them, I kind of respect that people care about things and and you know get riled up about things. What I really get annoyed about is when people have just just not bothered, just don't aren't interested, you know, don't take part. Just I I do find apathy really. I feel I guess it frustrates me because I feel not that I want everyone doing things all the time. Um, you know, I love a sort of lying on the sofa doing nothing for a while, mm. but but the sense if nothing moves you, if nothing if nothing matters to you then I kind of like oh you know what's life about you know life is to get involved and mm. to take part mm. and to care and I kind of yeah I, I don't like <laughs> environments if there's somebody being a bit apathetic and just you know a bit shrug, shruggy and oh, I don't know I don't care and that that does rile me a little bit I'll be honest.
1: And um, and, and, and what does a Catherine Ryle look like or sound like
0: I'm gonna sound like the Hulk or something. You don't want to see me angry, you do it? <laughs> I rare, I yeah, I rarely do. I mean, yeah, I don't often.
1: That doesn't surprise me.
0: Riled, but you would. I mean, you would know if you saw it. There's a look. Right. There's a look that, yeah, <laughs> that is quite famous. But, yeah, a lock. me said in the look. I'm afraid to say.
1: And so, the, other, so, the other
0: thing, you know, do you know, injustice annoys me, and I'm sure it annoys right, everyone. Yeah. Um, but it was the reason I started, wanted to study law in the first place. Was i had a real i've always had a real sense of just you know unfairness and injustice really get under my skin as well so i think mm. i think i wanted to study law because i felt i could then do something about it um and and yeah that's another thing that okay, gets me
1: preferred. thank you give, give, give us an insight to, to catherine outside of of you know chair, chair of uk sport and, and and what do you do today
0: oh well, yeah, I've I'm I mean I'm in a good place I have to say in life. I mean I would say normally, I've got loads of interests. Obviously, everything's been curtailed with uh, mm. restrictions through lockdown. You know, I love I love the theatre. I love music. I love concerts. I love sort of events. I love being places and and I think it is part of this whether it's a curiosity or a willingness to learn. I kind of love experiences. Uh I love I love travel. I really miss travel. The last thing I did for lockdown was I had a wonderful safari with some very, very good friends and, and you know, cannot wait to get back and go out in the great outdoors. I love photography when we're out there. Um spending time with my family. I hardly see my family at the moment. Um and that's really hard. So we have these awful awkward Zoom calls, which everyone talks at the same time are, are nothing at all, The same as yeah. everyone's facing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've got incredibly brilliant friends who, luckily, I live very close to a lot of them. So even during, you know, the, the more extreme version of lockdown, I could walk places and see people. And yeah, I, 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 I'm a good, and the weirdest thing through this whole lockdown experience is I never, I've never been into my gardening. And um, it's a very odd thing because I've sort of lived in the same house for about 10 years and I've sort of walking and out every day, not even really seeing the garden. But when you live in your house or your garden for over a year, then suddenly you do see so much more. And um, so even little things now, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't spend, I wouldn't say I'm in any way know what I'm doing, but you know, I'll sort of plant some things now and they'll grow. And that's, that's an exciting new part of my life. So I, I find, yeah, I find a lot of joy in a lot of things, I suppose. And, and, more recently it's felt like the world's a bit smaller and I haven't been able to get out and do as much. But I get a lot of contentment in small ways now, and that's that's probably a good thing.
1: Oh that, that sounds lovely. So uh, uh, a uh a couple of or a few quickfire questions to 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 close to close up. Uh we've all got one. What's what's your guilty pleasure?
0: <laughs> my guilty pleasure. Oh my goodness. Um Ah, oh, if you're bring guilt into the equation. So so basically I've always got, and I'm sure like most people, I've always got this immense sort of to-do list. I've always got emails I haven't done. I've always got work I need to do. I've got reading I should be doing. I've got the house to sort out. I've always, always got stuff on my list. But just giving yourself over to beginning to end a box set with a glass or a bottle of wine. Um, and <laughs> ideally in good company, but just that really shutting out the world and yeah sort of switching everything off and even though I know there's things I should be doing instead I mean I really like a good sort of crime drama I'll be honest and um I'm actually reliving the Danish killing at the moment I just love the killing and uh, just just in just absolutely immersing yourself in a different world usually the glass of wine in hand uh, I find fantastic a complete escape I love it love it
1: what one thing you'd put in room 101
0: one thing, to, um, I would, um, this might upset some people, I'm going to put in olives only because, olives. yeah, well, ever since growing up, I, like people say, oh, you've got to try them. And, you know, they're often quite a sociable food and snacky olives. And every <laughs> few months, six months, a year, I'll try. And I still cannot, oh, can't abide them. Um, so they're going to lurk in the room 101 where I don't need to keep trying them. And I don't need yeah, to pretend one, one day I'll be a grown-up and I'll like them.
1: My my mum will agree with you on that one. Yes, um, I want to
0: meet your mum and we'll, we'll, we'll join a uh,
1: little <laughs> <another> club. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, as Great Britain's most decorated female athlete, you know, clearly you're brilliant at so many things. What's one thing that you're not good at that you'd love to be good at?
0: Oh, honestly, I was very, very good at one thing in particular. So there's loads of things I'm, I'm rubbish at. Uh, one thing I'm slightly embarrassed at my age to be a bit rubbish at is, is cooking. In all honesty, um, like you know obviously i have to eat every day and i went through a phase of eating out a lot uh, but now in lockdown i'm eating home every day and i'm just not very good at it and i think i think part of it, i don't have a lot of confidence in it so i'm not kind of like oh i'll well, just toss some things in and it all be fabulous so it's one thing i really should be better at and i should learn it because it's quite an important part of life eating and um, if, the, I if there be was
1: one meal that you'd love to or one dish that you'd love to 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 serve oh. up what would it what would it be
0: one day. do you know what i i actually maybe it's the family connotation as well i love a good um like i love christmas i love you know or bigger roast and things but there's so many different moving parts to that kind of meal and i know people who are very good are like oh it's so easy just put the oven on shove everything in terrifies the life out of me so one day i will cook a big <laughs> sunday roast and i will i will enjoy doing it i must surely surely that's my superb. ambition in life now
1: superb and what makes you smile
0: Oh, do you know what? So much makes me smile. Uh, that comes chat across, Catherine. Having made me smile. Um, yeah. I don't know. Being with my family, being with my friends. So I Genuinely, I walked in. So I went for a run this morning and I came back to the, through the garden and I planted this sort of rosebush thing that looked dead to me, but apparently it's fine. And I saw the tiniest little uh, like green leaf on it. And I can't believe how happy it made me because I didn't think it was dead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's new life there. There's growth. And there's little, it's, this is I, I mean, I think increasingly little things are you can take a, a huge amount of pleasure in. So, yeah, I smile a lot.
1: Wonderful way to finish. Catherine, thank you for, for being a guest. I look, for anyone that's enjoyed, and how could you not enjoy uh, the last half an hour with Catherine? Catherine's going to be speaking at our Purposeful Leaders event at Kew Gardens on the 29th of September. Catherine, thank you for agreeing to come along and, and present at that. So the opportunity to meet and work Uh, with Catherine in an intimate environment is available Uh, please look that up on clarityleadership.co.uk but from everyone listening today Catherine thank you very much good luck with the Olympics not that you'll be participating this year but for for Team GB Uh, and uh, and thank you for being a guest on Leadership Confessions. It's been a pleasure thank you Phil.
0: Leadership Confessions from Clarity Leadership. Email hello at clarityleadership.co.uk and subscribe to receive every
1: episode as it's released.